Hello, 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 and welcome. It's Marlow FM. It's Sunday night. You know what that means. It's the kickoff with me, Ali Gray, and Jack Giffen. Ali, mate, you're all right. All good. Yeah, not not bad, mate. How you doing? Yeah, all good. All good. Uh, we got a very special guest on tonight, haven't we? We do indeed. Who is it, Jack? It is Ryan Shawcross, Stoke City legend. Ryan, how are we? Hi, guys. How are you? All very, good. very good. Thanks. Good. Very all good. good. Thank you. Uh, what we like to do, Ryan, is we like to kind of go backwards through our guests' careers. So we'll we'll start at the very start. Um, when did you first fall in love with football? It's a bit of a strange one. I didn't particularly like football. Um, I wasn't into it. My family, my mum and dad, no, my family liked football. And then I went to a training session when I was, I think it was eight, just joined in. And I, I was all right. I was decent. So from that, it just sort of snowballed. From, I think I started when I was about seven or eight. And by the time I was nine, I was at Man United Academy. So it's quite a, a quick transition. But there wasn't that huge love at the start. It sort of came once I got involved. Felt I was decent. And then I was just hooked on Man United. Yeah, it just sort of kind of grew. I mean, you grew up, you grew up in Buckley, right? Which is just the other side of the border in Wales. Um, kind of a rich area for like footballing in general in terms of catchment areas. You've got a lot of big clubs around there. Manchester United, Wrexham even. Uh, what was it like growing up there playing football? Yeah, well, I'm for Flincher, so Flincher is like a real like, sort of hotbed of Michael Owen, Ian Rushes, Mark yeah. Hughes is all around that area. So there was loads and loads of scouts always there because of the talents there. Um, and with the, the the close commute to Liverpool, Everton, Man United, City, even the Birmingham, Birmingham teams, there was um, yeah, the, the, there's a real hotbed. And the Flincher team I was in won the Welsh uh, Cup every year. So yeah, a real. Um, Breeding place of footballers, and there was a, a good structure there in the like schools football. So they always seem to do well, and they always seem to produce players. Indeed, indeed. And you went for a, a, a trial with Wrexham, I believe, early on as well. Uh, can you talk us through that experience? Yeah, really interesting. So I, I done pretty well at Flintshire. Then was asked to go trial at Wrexham, and um, for whatever reason, they they said uh, I wasn't for them. Uh, thought nothing of it. Was still happy playing for the local team, and then the week after. Went on trial at um, Man United, and the difference between Wrexham and Man United obviously is huge. But the way, so the day of my first trial, I met uh, Bobby Charlton, Sir Alex, and met all the first team. And this was a lad from uh, Wales who, who no one knew, and I was a, a nine-year-old. And you meet all these famous people, so straight away you know they do it right, and, and that's. That's the reason I've been so successful. I can imagine, and they, they, they took you on in the end. And uh, what was it like to be in that United Youth Up? Because we've heard like so much about it. It's kind of so lauded. It's produced so many great players over the years. What was your experience in that? I, I couldn't speak highly enough of it. The reason they have produced so many great players and so many players that have gone on to have careers, because there's a lot of players that don't make it Man United and then go on to have decent careers. Uh, it's, it's all about standards there, uh, standards of everything, whether that's being on time, the way you look, uh, your boots, wearing black boots, they started that. There's so many things at United Academy that before you can get onto the football pitch are creating decent human beings, decent people, and I think that helps with the, the football side of it. So, yeah, there's a reason they've been successful and the reason that they'll continue to be successful because of them high standards that I think only one man brought in, that was Sir Alex. Yeah. Who else was in that youth team, Ryan, that went on to do good things? The youth team that is quite funny story. We got knocked out of the youth cup third round. I think we had 
PK, the back three was PK, me and Johnny Evans. You had Danny Simpson, Darren Gibson, Lee Martin, Giuseppe Rossi. It's probably one of the best youth teams ever. And we got knocked out first round. And I remember the next day, Fergie calling us in his office and going absolutely ballistic. He was so unhappy that we got one beat in and, and got that out of the youth cup. Because the youth cup one night is a, a huge event. And he was so disappointed. And that really struck home how uh, angry he was that a team that obviously he has connections to, but not really anything to do with him. He was absolutely livid. It was um, an eye-opener. Did yeah. you always have faith that you'd make it into the first team at Man United? Um, not really. I was never... I never classed myself as one of the better players in all the age groups. Even I always thought I was close to getting released. Um, it sort of slightly changed when I got to the 16, 17 age and I went on loan to Antwerp. And the men's football seemed to suit me better than maybe academy football. And I felt like I did a lot better than probably everyone thought. Um, so it's, it's a good story for any kid coming through that you don't have to be the best player to go and have a, a decent career and um, yeah so I probably didn't think I was going to make it but then when I had my first games in professional football felt like I sort of found my home and felt a lot more comfortable in men's football probably than academy football. Uh, we, we touched on just there how much did you see of Sir Alex like saying obviously kind of dressing you down for, for not winning the cup games but like was he really involved in the youth and stuff or uh, did you see much of him? He was involved in absolutely everything. Um, you couldn't get away with anything. I remember we were in Antwerp and we got in a bit of trouble. We had to fly back uh, just to see Sir Alex because he'd heard we'd done something that we shouldn't have. Um, got a like absolute, I think kind of tell a massive telling off. Sent back out there saying, "Do that again, you're gone." So, and that was something happening in a whole different country, uh, a club loaned out, um, so that shows his power and how much he, he knew about everything. He knew everything at the club, knew everyone, knew your parents, knew your brothers and sisters, um, just a, a, a true leader, and, and that's the reason he's been, well, he has been as successful as he was. Yeah, a lot to do with man management there as well, you hear that a lot, uh, a lot in general in today's game, you know. We've had some players on, some ex-players on, that have talked about managers not being, uh, you know, good interpersonally. And I, that's a big part of the success of Sir Alex. What is that kind of, have you taken anything from that as you're coaching now, in fact? Uh, is that, you know, any experiences there you can take from? Yeah, a million percent. The way he spoke to people, whether you were a 12-year-old kid or whether you were Roy Keane, he spoke to you as a, as a decent human being and, and respected you. Um, mm. I remember a, a number of times I got a phone call in the summer holidays of school and uh, it was Sir Alex phoning to see how I was and how if I was training in the off-season. This is a 14-year-old um, kid who I wasn't sure whether I was going to make it, so how he, he knew, I don't know. Uh, just that detail is so massive and mm. just making, feel people, uh, making players feel special because you... You hear a lot of managers that absolutely batter their players every week, cry in the media, batter their players, and then they wonder why the players aren't playing for him. Um, you've heard so many stories about Sir Alex and the, these great um, inspirational managerial moments, but it's the small touches that no one ever hears of, like calling my mum to check I was okay, mm. or calling my dad to see is Ryan still enjoying it. Um, all these small things that probably no other manager does, and, and the reason the club is, was as so it wasn't even, he was so successful. Uh, definitely, definitely. I mean, then you made your debut. Is uh, that before you went out on loan? You made your debut in a, a League Cup game against Crew, was it? Um, which is kind of close down. Did you have your family there and stuff watching? Or? 
Yeah, it was a crew when the crew of South End played. I, I was nowhere near ready for the the Man United first team. Absolutely miles off it, but a couple of we always took a couple of young lads um, with the squads, and I think we were losing, so we threw me on. South End was probably a more of an experience because we were losing one 0 yeah. The East scored a, a yeah. nice free kick. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he obviously looked at me being really big. And he, going, he said to me, going up front, I want um, Waza, Wayne Rooney and Cristiano to, to play off you. So I've come on as a defender up front, <laughs> telling Waza, Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo where to go. I was saying, let's play off me. And they have never seen me. They've never trained with them. It was unbelievable. And Ronaldo just give me the look like, what is going on? And we eventually had to lose the game. But it's just an amazing um, experience that the trust he put into me and to play it. It was nowhere near the level, but just, just to try something different. No, no, definitely good. And then did that kind of give you a hunger to want to play more kind of men's football, more first-team football? Because then you went out on loan following that to Antwerp. Was that something that you pushed for, or was it something that uh, the, the club arranged for you? The club were brilliant. They, uh, Johnny Evans had been out the, the six months prior to me. Um, he'd done really well. I went out after that. It was just that first taste of first-team football, that first taste of... Um, Playing for for money and playing for people's wages because they need to pay their mortgages, or you know these older Belgian lads who were desperate for the money because they had to pay the bills. So that that level of change from an academy where it's all nice, oh, it's all about performance, it's not about winning. To to know it has to be about winning, um, and just some great stories of going to away trips and um, driving back and having it's called Duval in. Uh, like Duval is like a really strong beer mm. and at every way game all the lads used to drink on the way back is brilliant <laughs> what was it like uh, how long were you out there for in the end I don't know, six months it was me uh, Fraser Campbell Dan Gibson and then David Gray he uh, got injured so we had to go back but just three of us just yeah pretty like 18, 19 years causing trouble different country <laughs> growing up it was amazing Um just a great learning curve and something that I felt had brought me on as a person, as a player, um, so much. And I came back a different player and person. And I always say to players, if you can go on loan, even if it's abroad, just do it. It's such a great experience. I was what was the plan after? Was it to um, after you uh, came back? Was it to go out on loan again the the next season? Or was it to push in to the first team? Uh, at uh, me and Ferdinand and Vidic were there, so I thought. Yeah. I'm not getting near there. Um, and then I seen, I trained with PK for a number of years and I knew he was absolutely top notch. And then when he left, I thought, if he's leaving, then I think it's maybe time to hang out alone again. So <laughs> the club were trying to push me into a few loans that probably I didn't want to go on. Um, so I ended up holding out strong. And I had Norwich and I agreed to go to Norwich actually. Uh, but they said to me, right, you're not going to miss the first game. You're not going to play in the first game. You might play in the second one. And Tony Pudis calls from Stoke and says, you're playing the first game if you come to us. Straight away, I'm like, it's no brain. I'm playing. That was always my thing. Whenever I talk to young players now, I say, if you're going out alone, the conversation you should be having with the, the manager is, am I playing that first game? Because if you are, then it's on your head. But if you play well, you stay in the team. So I was a big believer in that. So when I got that, that opportunity to go to Stoke and play that first game, um, I just snatched it and made sure that was the move that, that happened for me. Nice. Did you know from early on that you wanted to stay there permanently? Was it quite, you know? Yeah, I settled in well. I was playing well. Um, 
Tony Pierce was really good for me and improved me massively. Um, and I, I didn't, I know players have done it, gone back to, to Man United and then slowly got into the first team, but I just didn't see the pathway. I'm, I didn't, maybe I didn't believe in myself enough, maybe I should have, but I just thought Stoke was a great fit. I was playing, we got promoted to the Premier League. Um, so yeah, it was an easy decision and I want to look back with absolutely no regrets just because of, of how it went. Um, I could have easily gone back to Man United and probably hung around there for another three, four years, had a few decent loans, but just didn't fit right and didn't feel comfortable with me to do that. So I had my heart set on Stoke. Did you ever think when like United won all those Premier League titles and they won that um, Champions League a few years after, did you ever think, oh, you know, what What if I stayed there and just, you know, hung on? Did you ever think that? What, what if? Uh, I was always a good gauge of my technical ability and, and me as a player. So I always thought the level I played at was the level that I should. And yeah. even like the international stuff, I had a chance and I wasn't good enough. So it's pointless me moaning. It, it's on my it's on my head that I played, it might have been 10 minutes, but I wasn't good enough. I didn't impress enough. So I was always a good gauge of where I was at and what I should be as a player. So I felt like Stoke was the fit for me, not my own. But you have become almost kind of synonymous with Stoke. Uh, let's, let's go back to that kind of first season there. You got promotion from the championship in your first season, came in like a house on fire, scored two and two uh, in your first two games. Um, what about you and Stoke made it so perfect? It's almost like love at first sight. What, what, why are you a perfect fit for that club and that, that manager and that kind of football culture at the time? I don't know if it was just a perfect storm of uh, me being young, the club sort of on an upturn, the manager that straight away wasn't renowned for playing young lads but mm. give me so much made me captain at 21 so it sort of fitted perfect and then I always got on brilliant with the Stoke fans Stoke people it's a great great town real real town that looks after themselves and makes sure they sort themselves out so I felt at home there and felt straight away that the infrastructure was right for me and would help me improve and then as we moved on through the years being made captain sort of didn't tie me to the club, but I felt a huge debt of uh, gratitude to him for that that huge honour. So I, I never felt like Stoke was not the place to be. I always felt it was a perfect fit for me. Indeed. Uh, I want to talk about Tony Pulis for a little bit, because me and Jack both have quite a few questions about the man. <laughs> There's quite a bit of a mythos yeah. around him. Um, what was he like, first of all, to work with? Brilliant, scary, mm. um, very, very aggressive. One arm around you. There's so many. He had so many different faces to him. Um, just a, a real good guy who do everything for his team to win, um, and also wanted to see players improve. So if he felt like you had a decent attitude and high standards, then you were on his sort of level, and that meant he would look after you. And many times, I go for a rough patch and play well, but I'd always play because he backed me. Um, so that sort of belief is. The reason as a player you improve and go better and better just because of managers like him. But yeah, a real um, tough taskmaster. I had so many forms out of him, it was unbelievable. But just a, a great guy. I remember Ryan like watching him on um, TV and thinking, when he loses it, I bet he like bloody loses it. Did he ever lose it like properly, like go mental like, like you and the other players? I was probably his main target. Um, <laughs> he said since, because I was his captain, but I just felt like he loved shouting at me. He used to be on me all the time. I remember one time, which is so unlike me, he'd been on me for weeks. I was like, so I walked off training. I, I, 
It's so unlike me. I've gone, do you know what? I'll, I'll leave. I'll, I'll leave the club. Because he was on me every day. So, and the next day, I've come in and he's gone, how are you, big baby? Come in here. And he was absolutely fine about it. Because it could have been two weeks fine. Or it was so unlike me to, to walk off the training, but I had enough. And um, it was just a sort of a test for him. And, and the way he acted after it was brilliant. And um, there's so many things like that with him that he, he's, uh, I'd fall out of him the next day. I'd be back on talking to him. There is one actually question, Ryan, which I've got to ask, which I've been fascinated about for years, to be honest. And it's been one of the biggest football sort of myths. Is it true? And if so, tell us more about it. Did he really headbutt James Beattie naked? <laughs> is that true? Uh, I believe we all signed the uh, confidentiality form, to be honest. So I don't think I can talk about it, but a lot of what's the press true, is very similar to what happens, to be honest. <laughs> That's brilliant. I've always wondered about that because I've seen it on um, Soccer AM and things like that. And I thought, oh my God, is that really true? Wow. The best thing about it was that we had to sign, so no one's talked about it for years. I don't know who broke the silence, but it came up straight after what happened. It was quite close to what happened, to be honest. And um, then the next day we had to sign his forms. And I was stupid, I didn't really look into it. And then Blaz like, no, that means you can't talk about it. So no one ever talked about it. It was brilliant. <laughs> um, when you were at that sort of the the peak at Stoke when you were playing at your like best there were reports of clubs like Tottenham and Manchester United interested in you was that true and if so were you ever tempted to go to those clubs there's always clubs interest I'd always have a call usually my agent someone would be like so and so is interested what do you think and it was always a case of I'd normally first of all didn't want to go because I love Stoke and then second of all I'd look and i think would I be starting and that Maybe I didn't back myself enough, but I always felt at Stoke I'd play every game. I get to the end of my career and have 500 games, which near enough did. So it was the right decision. Could I have maybe tried to push myself into European competitions? Maybe, but it just didn't feel right at the time. And, and no offer ever came in that I thought, yeah, that's the one. It was always a case of Stoke was perfect for me. I was improving. Never felt like I was going stale. Um, and then even when we got relegated, there was clubs in for me, but... I felt a huge um, debt to the club to get him back to the, the Premier League, so I, I just couldn't, couldn't leave. Mm. Mm. I've just... had many, many highs and also some lows at, at Stoke. One of the lows um, was the incident with Aaron Ramsey, um, which I actually re remember watching. Talk to us about that situation and how did that affect you mentally after, after that? It was just a horrible situation, not for me, because nothing was wrong with me, just someone had had a horrific injury that's going to be out for a long, long time and you've inflicted it. So first of all, you're just full of guilt. And then obviously a player that, because you always go onto the pitch and never going to harm anyone. You just, there's an unfortunate accident and someone got seriously injured and had a year out, which is just horrible. Because I did, I broke my leg later on my career and it's just absolutely heartbreaking when you're injured and you, you can't get back and it's just absolutely, so that, First of all, them thoughts go through your mind for the first 24, um, 24 or 40 hours. And then I soon got over it just because I realised it was it was football, it was an accident, I knew it was an accident. As long as I knew it was an accident and people around me knew it was an accident, didn't care where else for. And I, I quickly got over it and obviously the stigma stayed for It still does if you uh, have, a, have a young son who, so we look up their dad and, and then he goes, well, what went on that? And it's difficult because you, you don't use son seeing that, but it's... Um, 
it seems to have stayed with me much longer than it should have, to be honest. That's what I was going to ask, does it sort of overshadow you? Because when I spoke to my mates about speaking to you tonight, they mentioned like about that. And I thought, wow, does that still get talked about with like when your name's mentioned? That is that is pretty mental. Did you did you speak to Aaron after that? And what did he say to you? Did he say that's that's fine, don't, don't worry, that's that's football? No, I never spoke to him. Um, I've said this before. I reached out a new a number of times just to and I said it I've also said this in the past that although I've reached out, yeah, he's under um, no pressure to speak to me I and mean, he wasn't there it was I, would, I was hoping to say sorry and wishing the best in the recovery but the, the call wasn't being taken so quickly got over that but there was no problem whatsoever I, I don't know how I would react if someone did that to me I might be like no I don't speak to him that's no problem whatsoever mm-hmm. it was an accident each one's gone was rehab and I think it was just blown out of proportion and then um, everyone made more of it than what it probably should have and it's just like I say stuck around because I played over 300 games in the Premier League, but no one ever talks about that. They talk about me, unfortunately, injuring someone years ago. Just to add to um, the animosity between you and Arsenal fans, especially, have never even forgiven Stoke. But the beef with Arsenal and you, I think, started longer ago because you uh, had problems with Adebayor. I, I remember on on the pitch, what was it like playing against him? <laughs> I used to love playing against him. He was, uh, he was up for a battle. He was a really good player. I was just like, I don't know. Uh, Giroud, Adebayor, they just seemed to, to love the fight and it was like, it was like just perfect for me because I was like, here we go, let's have a little <laughs> scrap, let's just, let's look, same with Costa. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I was realised if they were up for a fight with me, it was like, oh, you're making a day, let's, let's do it, let's just smash each other. So, yeah, we had many run, run-ins with um, Adebayor, Giroud, um, but actually, that was my favourite game, the Arsenal game. It was so hostile, it was mm. brilliant. The, the fans literally hated each other. And I love them kind of thing. I love like um, Man United Leeds. It's mm. just brilliant, the intensity of the games. Because yeah. sometimes when you have a rivalry, it's, it's not really a rivalry. Um, but Arsenal Stoke is a huge one and they do hate each other. And uh, I love it. I think there should be more in football. No, me too, definitely. I mean, Stoke hasn't really got that many rivalries around it. I mean, Burton, Port Vale. I mean, Port Vale, Stoke is, is huge, but it never really gets played. Uh, so it's nice to have one. I'm, I'm in agreement. There definitely needs to be more rivalries. I do enjoy it. So we're going to move on to your international career. Uh, I think Jack mentioned off air. Um, be it brief. Um, you actually found out you were going to get called up to England on the same day of the, the Ramsey incident, didn't you? Yeah, I... Uh... I got a call that night from, I think it was Fabio Capello's assistant, I forgot his name, Baldini maybe. Um, yeah, just obviously it was a, a tough night for me. There was obviously a lot of headlines about me and then to get obviously your biggest moment in your football career to have that on the same night was obviously, probably would have, would have wanted it better, but these things happen. It was just, and still, it was amazing to get called up and be surrounded by them amazing players. Um yeah, so absolutely loved that that um, that call. We've listened to like to guests that have played for England before on here, and they've talked about the um, standards of the training. It's just ridiculous. Did you find that? And were there any players that before you knew were good, but you didn't realise they were that good? Yeah, the standards. Is, like, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm not an international player. I played ten minutes and was called up to maybe five squads, so I'm probably not the best one to put. From the outside, then coming into it, you play like a possession game where you try to keep the ball off each other. Yeah. One team would just keep the ball because they were that good. And I just remember looking, I think it was it was Frank Lampard, Gerard, and David Beckham was coming to the end of his career. 
I just couldn't believe how good they were. Like it was, you would look and go, that's amazing. I remember Ger- Gerard, he was also, I think he was captain the next time I got called up. Absolutely great guy, looked after him brilliantly. I just couldn't believe how good he was. And you know, like you, um, you consider yourself pretty switched on to football and understand it because I've played it for so many years. But then to, to go and play with him and realise, yeah, that's what a top, top player is. It was, it was brilliant. And his standards, the way he trained. It was, I talk about intensity a lot when I'm coaching now. And you can see, so I was coaching Miami, into Miami second team. And the intensity levels between them and England first team is like night and day. It's not, it's not that Inter Miami second team aren't trying, it's just, it's just the levels. It's so much different. Um, but I absolutely loved it and um, it was just great to be involved in and to realise what real top players are. Because that was, um, I think the first call-up, was, was it two or three months before the World Cup in South Africa? Did you think you might have a, a chance of getting in that squad? I think I got into the, in like a 35. I never thought I was going. Yeah. There were some really good players and, I don't think Stoke, Stoke, we didn't finish well. So the only time I ever got called to Stoke, um, to England, was when Stoke were like making headlines and we were maybe six, seventh, eighth, and was in the news. So I always felt like you had to work a little bit harder to get an England squad if you're in a lower team, which is fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I never thought I was going to go, to be honest. Uh, and then when you made your debut, it was against Sweden, wasn't it? It was the, the, uh, the Zlatan. The overhead kick. That was the worst thing. So I literally, I came off from a debut, your greatest moment in football. I run on to Mark Zlatan. I go behind him, marking him. He turns and he scores straight away. And I was like... <laughs> and then they scored, I think he scored the overhead kick where I'm trying to scramble off the line. That wasn't my fault, by the way. And a lot got laid on me. And he ended up scoring a hat-trick and it was just like, he's good, he's very good. Was he one of the best you played against, did you say, for that 15 minutes? No, I just think I was nervous. Because I, I played him twice when he was at United, and obviously he was a bit older. But we got, I got two clean sheets against him, felt pretty comfortable. I think it was just, I don't know if I was ready for international football. I don't know if, uh, I've never been a good sub. I think I've been sub three or four times in my whole career. So I'm always about routine and building up and getting your mind ready. It doesn't matter what anyone says, if you're sub, you don't prepare the same as a player starting. So that's my fault. That's no one else's fault. That's my fault. But yeah, um, I'd love to start the game and see how I got on, but not come on so. Mm. He's, he's another one that's uh, like quite, or been known for being a bit of a dirty player. Uh, that's, who was the other one? Nader Manure came on and talked about uh, playing against him in the States and stuff. Uh, who is the kind of dirtiest player in the game you've come up against, would you say? Um... There was a few real bad ones when I first joined Stoke in the Championship, like naughty, naughty ones, but probably the, the household name, Costa was always bad for it. Mm. Uh, Suarez had me on absolute toast. I didn't know what to do against him. He was just so good. But he, was, yeah. he was a dirty sod. He was up to all sorts of me. Um, but yeah, probably the worst time was, no, he's not even dirty, he's just strong, Kevin Davis. Kevin Davis oh, yeah. taught, taught me an absolute lesson. I, it was my first Premier League game. I, I played year in the Championship, PFA team of the year in the championship thought, here we go, I can step up easy. And literally, I came off, I think, I chipped my tooth, broke my nose, and I was dropped after that game, all just because of Kevin Davis. I just couldn't handle him. Because um, I thought, I'm, I'm the big guy, I'll be that stronger than you, and soon learn. It's, um, 
it's a lot more in the mind than just trying to help be out physical to players like him. Underrated um, player when he came in. Davis, we, I remember he when he played against us, Jack. Yeah, and, he, um, he, uh, he was, I think was it, was it Preston at the time? He, he was at Preston as well. Yeah, yeah he and that world against he Preston, did, he did. He? And we were giving him grief all game because obviously he was in his late 30s at that point. Yeah, he was like 35, <laughs> was like, 36 and just whacked a volleyball yeah, like 30, 30 yards, yards just turned and smashed it top bins. It's like, oh, okay then. Yeah. yeah, you've been in the Premier League. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, what a player, what a player. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you've had some kind of good moments with the Stokes on the Premier League. You, uh, you made it to the FA Cup final at one point. What was that like to lead your team out of Wembley? Um, Brilliant. I think the semi-final is probably a more proud moment just because the whole the day started brilliantly and finished brilliantly. When you're in the final, you lose. It's quite a massive anticlimax because you literally lose and you're like, oh, brilliant, let's go. It's not like anything. Like that. But the semi-final, we beat Bolton 5-0, a little party after. It was amazing. So that experience, but the whole uh, year building up to it, you, you, you'd be in the shop and someone would be like, oh, how are we going to do against the next round? And then you get to the quarters, then the semis, then you're in a final and you don't get to many finals. Mm. Um, so, yeah, a real proud moment. And to lead the the team, I think I was 22, so it's really not so young, um, real honour. Um, when Tony Pulis left and, and Mark Hughes came in, what did Mark Hughes change and what was your relationship like with him from the start? I had a great relationship with Mark. You've got him really well. He's a really intelligent guy. Um, probably gets far too much stick for what he, he's done as a manager. Yeah. Mm. Just for a few, few bad jobs and maybe QPR where it was difficult circumstances. But um, yeah, loved him, loved his approach. And he had some fantastic staff. Um, yeah, Damien Roden, Adina Zvecki, Mark Bowen, real top-notch coaches and, and fitness coaches and sort of changed. That was probably the manager that probably made me want to manage more than anyone. And just the way he dealt with people, the way he spoke, the way he was around the club. Um, so yeah, loved working under him and loved his, his mentality and how he wanted to play football. He had so many great um, ways of trying to improve players or bringing in Arnautovic, who, who's been trouble everywhere else, bringing him in, does brilliantly. So yeah, I, I loved, loved playing under him and, and I really enjoyed learning from him. Um, yeah, very top notch. I think you finished ninth under him, which was like the highest Stoke I've ever finished. Um, one of the highlights when doing some research on this, Ryan, was when you played Liverpool in the last game of the season and um, you you won 6-1, but you were following up at half-time. I think it was Stevie Gerrard's last game. Yeah. And you just went into the um, changing room at half-time, just burst out laughing. Is that true? Yeah, it's one of the ones that... It never, it literally never happens. I, I don't think it's ever happened to me in my entire career other than once. And you know at 5-0, it doesn't matter how bad you are, you're not going to lose the game. So we sort of went into the changing room and it, it wasn't, we just started like, sniggering. And it was like, how have we done this? 5-0. It's literally, Liverpool weren't that bad. We just had five shots and they've just gone goal, goal, goal. <laughs> yeah, it and it was Gerald's last game, and then just to make it perfect, we score another, and Gerald scores one, it's 6 1. It couldn't be better. Everyone goes home happy, other than obviously uh, Gerald. Um, yeah, it was a great game, and it was one of them ones that there's not many in your career where you completely relax. Like, absolutely. Usually, I was a player that was so tense. I was, I was a warrior. Well, what's going on? Where, where's the trouble? And I was just relaxed, enjoying it. It was amazing. Mm. In the um the last few years of your career, so once you left Stoke, um, how hard was it to, to leave Stoke? Did you want to leave? Were there other clubs interested straight away? What was it like? 
I had a difficult um, two or three years just because we obviously got relegated. Um, there was loads of teams in, loads of opportunities to leave, but I felt a huge loyalty to Stoke and, and like a debt. So 100% I was staying. I wanted to. I didn't want to miss out on us going back up. We did. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way. And then we struggled the first year, and then I got injured, um, broke, my, broke my ankle. I just couldn't get fit again, but it was under Michael O'Neill. But I was, I was desperate to stay at the club. I remember having a conversation saying, "Money's not an issue. Like I'll pay, for, I'll, I'll pay, for, play for free. I just want to stay around the club. I'll be a coach. I just want to stay." And it wasn't being very like it wasn't a conversation like, "Yeah, we want you around the club." So when that happened, and I said, "I, I want to stay," there was nothing there. I said, "Oh, I look after myself. Then I go and find something else." And then this amazing offer from Inter Miami came up, and I just spoke to my wife and it was a case of what an experience what, just to try something completely different and then now I'm back in England I reckon it's one of the best decisions ever made not the football I was horrendous on the pitch and but the experience of going to a different country living in Florida which is one of the nicest places in the world and then you talk about clubs giving you chances Inter Miami went out of their way to find a role for me to, to do my first coaching role which not many clubs do um, they literally created a role just for me so I could start that learning curve being a coach so huge amount of respect to that club and, and what they've done to put me on that pathway of coaching because not many clubs to do that Did um, Phil Neville was he the manager at, at the time when, when you joined? Yeah he got the job obviously yeah. David Beckham link. Uh, Phil never got the job as I was signing, so I was one of Phil Neville's first signings, and he was brilliant in, in selling me what he was trying to do. It was just unfortunate I couldn't offer him probably the the Ryan from three, four years ago where I could probably be helped out. I was just, I was shot physically. And then eventually, they got me in a really good place. They, they worked really hard to get me to fit a, a real fit Ryan. And then, unfortunately, I turned my back and I just couldn't get back. Um, and I ended up having a, a massive uh, back operation. Mm. Were you impressed by the standards of the um, MLS? Was it what you thought it, it'd be like? It's just, it's literally, it's impossible to compare. So everyone goes, what standards it's like? Is it League Two? Is it League One? Is it Championship? Yeah. It's not possible. It's just different. They have the wage caps. So you have Gonzalo Higuain on billions of pounds and then everyone else on a different. So... Mm. It makes it a difference. You have real, some real top players, some real poor players, some in-between players, and it probably, it's an inconsistent league, but it's going places. It's going to, it's, it's a great watch. If you ever get a chance to watch it, it's some great goal score because it's quite end-to-end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even the game, the small games I played, I was so frustrated because I was used to England football where everyone stays together, everyone's up the pitch, back down the pitch. It's really intense. It's headers, it's throw-ins, it's free kicks. This was like, Back four and one 18 yard box, the other back four on the 18 yard, and there was just a free for all. So it was probably the only thing for me, probably like that real tactical stuff, which is getting better. <laughs> Did you go to um, Portland Timbers? Did you ever play that? No, that's the thing I missed out I was desperate for Portland Timbers, I was desperate for Atalanta because they got a major stadium, and I wanted yeah. to play in Seattle. I missed them three because I'm a croc, but uh, those were amazing. It was great. So we travel around from like Nashville, amazing place. Just the places you go, you go to Washington. Every city you go to is amazing. It was such a fantastic experience. And then even like where we lived in Florida, we were like five minutes from the beach. So we, a normal, and then 
I was speaking to my wife this morning, went to watch my young son play, and it was freezing, it was grey. Yeah. We were like, what have we done? What have we done? <laughs> Welcome back to England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what's the plan then for you going forward? Is it to get into to, to coaching, first team coaching? Yeah, so I've obviously done the, I did eight months at Inspiring second team as an assistant, loved it. Um, learned so much. I had a great manager in Darren Powell, but now I just wanted to come back to England. Uh, I want to be a manager. I've, no, um, I've never heard of it. I want to be a manager. I think I'll be a good manager. Um, so, yeah, it's just trying to get that first chance, which is very difficult. And I understand why it's difficult because there's so many people going for it, but I believe I'll be a good one. Um, but time will tell. It's just a case of trying to find that right club. Uh, to give the opportunity, or even if it's an assistant, just trying to get into the role where I can improve and, and move on in my career. Mm. Would you ever go back to Stoke in any capacity in coaching or managing, do you think? I'd love to. Um, but I wouldn't want to go back just because it, of me. I won't go back because they thought I was the right fit as a mm. coach or as a manager. So it's difficult. Uh, an ex-player who's been there as long as I have, I understand the difficulty in trying to get a player back like me. Um, so, yeah, I understand maybe why nothing's been offered. And to be honest, I wanna I wanna manage, so that's not a stoke right now. Maybe in the future you never know, but I wanna manage. So hopefully something will come up. Um I'm watching a lot of games, I'm getting out to a lot of league, one league two games, some conference games and just trying to it's the levels that I've never played at, so I'm just trying to gain as much knowledge as I can and trying to sort of put together the players I want in the future when a when a chance does come does come because I'm sure it will um, it's just being ready when, when it does come I know we um, spoke off air but um, what's your thoughts on, on Stoke now Ryan do you watch them a lot um, what's your yeah I love, love watching I always have I'm a Stoke fan so I, I was lucky enough to watch loads and loads of games um, when I was out in America just because you could uh, obviously it's not been the greatest starts and obviously Michael Neal's has gone and we've got a new manager in. But there's a, there's a really good squad there. There's some real top players. Obviously, the lap. I've watched, obviously, I know Rory, so I know Liam. I've watched him for all his ages, and he's, he's a top player. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. Um, but the squad's more than enough to challenge for the playoffs, at least. Uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they go and, and how they um, get through this Christmas period. It is a difficult Christmas period with the, the World Cup. So it's going to be a strange season. Yeah, I forgot about that because there'll be a, a, a month gap right there. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Break. Um, yeah. What, in your opinion, obviously Stoke kind of fell from grace whilst you were still there. What, what do you think went wrong with with the club in general? Because, like you mentioned off air, the kind of not an apathy with the fans and stuff, but there seems to be a, bit of a disconnect there now and just kind of stagnating, as it were, mid table and low mid table in the championship. Yeah, it's. It's, it's such a small margin in the Premier League. So we got relegated, I think it was by two points. Yeah. Real small margin. So you win two or three games out of that year, you're safe. So, yeah, small margins. Probably the recruitment wasn't where it should have been when we were in the Premier League. So that meant us getting relegated. So you, we were losing on Altovich, we were losing Hoof, Walters, Whelan. These top players who've done it for three or four years and replacing the players that we're nowhere near the level. Um, so there's your first problem. So recruitment, there's got to be bang on it. So then you get relegated and then now you think, right, recruitment's got to be on it even more so now to make sure you can pay yourself back. I'm not sure the signings we made when we first went to the championship were the right signings at the right time. And then we had 
the turmoil of Gary Rowick getting sacked when we were doing okay, but he fell out with the fans. Then we had Nathan Jones who tried so hard and obviously he's shown what a good manager he is at um, Luton. I got him playing well with Nathan. I think he's a top guy. Um, but just couldn't get it going at uh, Stoke. Then we went to Michael O'Neill who started off really well, but then we sort of, like say, drifted to mid-table, not really doing anything. So, yeah, I can understand the, the disconnect, but I, behind the scenes, I know there was huge financial problems, not because there's no money. Obviously, they've got very rich owners, but they can't spend it, and they're financially restrictions on what they can spend. So there's problems like, I'm sure, I think they've got two years left before they can even buy any players for money, so it's so difficult for them. Um, but yeah, there's a great club there, and a great fan base. It's just a case of eventually one man will get right and we'll, we'll go back up and it'll be amazing for the club. And for the, it'll be good for the Premier League because it was. I always felt that Stoke in the Premier League adds a bit of um, toughness to the Premier League and seeing the big teams come to it, come to the um, retirement, bet 365 now, sorry, and... <laughs> Just struggle. It's brilliant. Just just seeing them like come and just look. You can see them like break down just before they even come. And like looking at it going, oh, it's windy, it's wet, it's cold. Yeah. And then you get the fans singing Delilah. It's just not a nice place. I was going to ask actually, Mike, could, could you tell when like when teams and certain players came to, to Stoke? Could you tell before they um played that they weren't up for it? Could you tell that you'd be in for a good 90 minutes? It was all, I always thought it was always the first. Five, ten minutes, you just got a sense. If we got a few set pieces and we were like launching it in, yeah. it's just not nice. And then you, you understood it. But then also you had teams like, I remember we played uh, Pochettino's Tottenham and they all had us an absolute toast and just battered us. They had big set halves who could deal with it. And then they had Harry Kane, Deli Alley, Son. Oh, mm. it's just, just too easy for them. And the only other team that we really struggled against was um, Man United. So Man United would come along. And we'd go, right, I'm going to gaff to them. But they would do the same to us and do better. So we were thinking we were tough and they had Vidic, Skulls. Skulls were beautiful. So straight away it turns around. They're better players. So all of a sudden they're winning. But it was great to see the different clubs try different tactics. But Man United had it the best one. They were just better at everything. <laughs> it's a good tactic to have that, to be honest. <laughs> That's why they're the best. <laughs> um, it's, it's, great, it's great about Fergie. So when you talk about Fergie, if you talk about Alex Ferguson's philosophy, no one goes, oh, he's possession-based, he's this. He just wins, doesn't he? It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't renowned for possession football playing out from the back. Because I remember the Gaia came to us and we, we worked on all week about pressing the first pass and... The guy would go to Ferdinand, we'd press it. The guy gets on the ball and just boots it 70 yards up to, who was the striker? Berbatov, he chests it, Rooney scores. So we're like, we've done a week's training and they've <laughs> just gone, gone through us. So it's brilliant how glad your manager was. Yeah, top, top manager, wasn't um, You got any more questions? For, uh, for Ireland, uh, no, no, it just reminded me of a story. Well, I say a side story. I remember going, I was in Torquay once to see my uncle and stuff, and Stoke were playing Torquay in a pre season friendly. I just remember going to the game and meeting loads of Stoke fans and battling out Delilah. It was a great time. I just, it's just, <laughs> I knocked a nice little memory in my head there now. Saw Peter Crouch play, it was brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> but that's good. So we went to, uh, we were playing, yeah, we were talking, playing someone else down there, but we were Premier League. Mm. 
and we got the bus down and someone had forgot to book a pre-match meal at um, a hotel or something. So usually you go to for a pre-match meal at a hotel and then go on to Torquay and mm. play the match. No one had booked it, so we went to a um, petrol station on the way. There was lads getting KFCs, Subways, it was unbelievable. I was like, it's Premier League club boss, Premier League professional. <laughs> No, nice. I, uh, it's, it's been nice to have you on, Ryan. But before we yeah, go, Jack's so got some. You got, got some uh, quick fire questions for him. Yeah. So before we um, finish our um, interview with our guest, normally Ryan, we ask a few quick fire questions. We normally say quick fire, but as always, some guests take about two minutes to to answer these questions. So um, the the first question is the best player that you played of in your career. With who? With what's that? With or against? Uh, with it got big Paul Scholes leadingly yeah. I played him but just unbelievable yeah and mm. yeah. Um, the best manager you played under didn't really play under him but Sir Alex um, best ever um, obviously Mark Hughes and Tony Pulis had a huge influence on my career yeah and then the, the best player you played against just couldn't be in. too good for me um, just better at every asset of the game and just couldn't handle what he was and how good he was and how sharp he was and just scored loads and loads of goals against me who was that sorry? Luis Suarez oh, oh that makes yeah, what, a what a player what a player no good yeah uh, the best moment in your playing career it's like anything, as the years go on, you change and add to it and just decide it. But probably the semi-final, uh, just because we won so convincingly. It's at Wembley, it's my first time playing at Wembley. So yeah, the 5-0 against Bolton in the FA Cup semi-final. The biggest regret in your career, if you have any? Good question. Um... Not telling Roy Hodgson not to bring me on. I should have said, Roy, leave me on the bench. <laughs> Get me on the bench. <laughs> um, the, the, best, the best advice you received in, in your career? <clears throat> uh, attitude is everything. He was from... Um, he was a Brazilian coach. He's was, he was called Francisco Filio. And he was from the French national team academy. And he was like, Thierry on me, Patrick Vieira. And his broken English, he was terrible English, absolutely terrible. And he used to go, attitude, attitude is everything. And I always thought, yeah, that's a real good bit. Attitude is everything. Yeah. So you'd be the best player in the world. If your attitude's not there, you're not going to make it. Indeed. If you could go back and give one bit of advice to your younger self, what would it be? Um, work on your left foot more. <laughs> Did you have quite a, a, a good left foot? Yeah, but, but it took me to about 25 before I'd use it, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final quick fire question, Ryan, is describe your career in one word, if you can. Average. Oh, average. Uh, it's better than average, right? You got to Europe, you had cup finals, you made it onto the England pitch, mate. That's never uh, average. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was happy with it. I got more. I got, I got more out of it than so. Out of my skill set, I feel like I got a lot more out of it than I probably should have. So I'm really proud of that. That 
if you looked at me at 16, 17, and you say, right, then you create uh, 500 games, yeah. you played 10 minutes horrifically for England, um, <laughs> I would have snapped your hand off. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, brilliant. Well, Ryan, as Ali mentioned, it's been brilliant to speak to you, um, and obviously good luck with everything going forward. We're sure you'll be a, a great coach, um, and we'll be keeping an eye on you as well to see where you end up. But um, thanks again, and hopefully speak to you soon. No worries. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure.